Hey, everybody, this is Mike Flanagan. On this episode of the Inside Bowling Show, we welcome PBA and USBC Hall of Fame bowler Danny Wiseman. On the show, Danny opens up to us about what he is doing now to keep busy, talks about his career, and then he also talks about the work he does with youth bowling. This show, if you found it by now, is broadcast live on Facebook and YouTube, and you should head over to those accounts by searching Inside Bowling to watch the program and check our schedule for future episodes. If you're enjoying our show, do us a favor and subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. Matt and I would really appreciate it. If you really like what we're doing here and would like to support the show, head over to InsideBowling.com and check out our merch. We have licensing deals in place with some of the biggest brands in bowling and, of course, funny pop culture apparel as well. Check it out and use code IVSHOW to save 15% off site-wide. Elements from today's show were intended for both video and audio. We apologize if at some point in the show you can't follow along. This is a great reminder that all of our shows are archived on our YouTube channel. So here it is, our episode number 20 with Danny Wiseman. the hour here on this fine Friday and it's episode number 20 today on the Inside Bowling Show and I'm Mike and Matt's with me again today and our guest today will be Danny Wiseman but as we open up with today's show a couple of programming notes just to let you know as I am Johnny Big Time and Matt again today as I have to go over to the USBC Sport of Bowling Show with Chad Murphy, Frank DeSocio and John Mark Manzione so I'll be ducking out of the show a little bit early today but we have plenty of topics to talk about with today's guest and Matt did a lot of show prep today Matt's also trying out our new computer system to try to get his audio a little bit better. And uh, we've been a little bit crazy this morning as we've gotten started with our show just a little bit late here because my entire computer just shut down. And then uh, and then Matt uh, has been messing with two different computers today. Matt, are you doing okay today? How, how are things? Mike, how do I sound? I think you sound better. Okay. Well, hey, we're making steps. We're making improvements here. I had an old computer that I wasn't using for a while. And... Um, I was, you know, I always remember the audio being good on that one. So this morning I erased everything off of it. I, I threw it back together. It's running pretty well. I can plug my audio into it, my external mic. And uh, let's let's get this podcast rolling, dude. Let's just let's just go. Yeah, I want to uh, give a shout out to the folks in the chat already uh, bearing with us here this morning. Love Jones, Lee Champion, Vic Kurbowski. They listen to every single show. Shout out to you guys. We do have an interactive program here. Uh, let's go ahead and let's get to our Bowler X poll question. Uh, from yesterday, Matt, uh, if you could pull that up, we can check the results. We actually had two of them yesterday. Uh, so let's get through that as I, I see Matt there uh, frantically scrambling looking for that. Oh, yeah. Well, when we said we were having technical difficulties this morning, we were not lying. So we've got the two poll questions that are coming at you right now. Um, here is the second one. Uh, or excuse me. Yeah, here is the... Uh, I'm all jacked up here. We've got things that are pinned up. And, uh, okay, perfect. So here is the first one in regards to our podcast that are this show now being available on podcast. 
Yeah. So Thursday's Bowler X, uh, the first question that we had is we wanted to promote the podcast. And uh, where do you listen to podcasts? Essentially is our Bowler X poll question. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or other. And 47 percent voted on Spotify. Apple Podcasts comes in at 39.1 percent. Other at 13 percent. Nobody's listening over on Google Podcasts. So I guess we'll just go ahead and just throw that one out the window as bowlers probably just don't use it. Yeah, no, we're uh, we're we're gonna totally ignore Google Podcasts now and uh, put all our money into Spotify and Apple Podcasts here. Yeah, and you know uh, what's what's interesting here, Matt, and you probably didn't notice this as you've been scrambling this morning. Is last night I you can officially give me a pat on the back. We are updated all the way through yesterday's episode on all streaming podcast platforms. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome, everybody. Now we just need everybody to go out and leave us a review over there and uh, give us a five-star review, hopefully. Um, but anyway, so that's that. Poll question number two, Matt. Uh, Coming at you. Poll question number two. First day we had two poll questions, and and this one here, uh, I believe, is re- related to bowling balls. So the second uh, Bowler X uh, inside bowling poll question was, when we get back to bowling, how many bowling balls will you purchase during your first season back on the lanes? And the options were one, two, three, four, or more. And this is probably the most balanced poll question we've had so far. The winner coming in at 30.3% was one ball next year. Uh, second, actually, believe it or not, was th- three balls. So they're either going to buy one or three. Screw two, although two did come in pretty close at 24.2% and four or more at 18.2% on the poll question. So... Matt, I'm going to throw it over to you today. I, I hope we've got a couple of options here for poll questions today. Do you have those for me? Yeah, Mike. You know, bailing it out here last second, coming up with some pretty clever poll questions. And we're going to change it up today, Mike. Mike, I'm so excited about this audio right now. I'm about to jump out of the seat, and I'm going to listen back to it. And it's probably still going to sound like I'm in a tin can. But I'm excited. I'm excited for this because uh, now I don't feel so small compared to you with your $400 mic. Now I've got this nice little road mic. Anyways, back to the poll question today. I'm getting excited. Kim's going to roast me in the comments here. Uh, but first, here's your first option, okay? For everybody, anybody that's new here, we have this poll question that we run over on our Twitter. You can find us on Twitter at Inside Bowling. And uh, we we run um, just a, a Bowler X poll question, collaborating with our friends over at Bowler X. And we pick Mike two options. And now uh, while Mike digs through his cereal, gets a little extra protein, a little extra sugar, a little extra snackage going on, we, uh, we, we pick one of these two poll questions to ask everybody on our Twitter account. And sometimes we get a little happy and we pick both. So today, here are your two options, Mike. First option, if you had to make one spare to win your first professional title, which one of these spares would you rather shoot? Okay, and we're changing it up today. We're only giving two options for answers for both of our poll questions today, okay? So if you had to shoot a spare... If you had to make a spare to win your first title, which one would you rather shoot? A three, six, nine, ten, or a bucket? Ooh, that's a good question. Okay, yep. well, for me. Okay. And another one is more uh, closely re- related to our guest today, who we're going to get to in just a second here. And uh, if you had to bowl for your first, uh, or I should change it up like this. We're going to say it like this. Where would you rather bowl for your first professional title? In a big professional sports arena and custom with custom built lanes or would you rather bowl for your first title in a traditional bowling alley okay so so the second one's going to win going away in a stadium so i don't know are you sure i don't i don't know i don't know some people may prefer they may get nervous with thousands of people watching they may prefer to have the traditional bowling alley setting no way no way in hell because if it's in a big setting it's probably going to be for a major and then everybody's going to critique it to death so 
I love poll question number one, three, six, nine, ten, or the bucket. I think. All right. And I think, I think that that one's going to come in sixty-six percent bucket, thirty-three percent three, six, nine, ten because of the sleeper pin back there, and because of if you're bowling on something flat, it's hard to get the ball to hook from the outside. So. Got it. Well, I also also got to remember for all of our lefty friends out there, it, that would be the the two, four, seven, eight. So it's three, yeah. six, nine, ten, two, two, four, seven, eight combo. And I think that's a good question. Which one would you rather shoot? Um, and maybe we can get our uh, – maybe that's a good time to bring our guest on in today and ask him if he had to shoot a spare for a professional title, which one would he rather shoot? Yeah, so our guest today, um, I've known for quite a while. He actually appeared on my Inside Bowling show back in 2010. I don't know if he remembers that or not. And we've been Facebook friends for a long time. And I feel like when I reached out to him to come on the program that it was just like we just picked up and we've been friends for a long time. We talked earlier this week. We have a lot of things in common with uh, – being historians of bowling and he's got a lot of gear and stuff that he's kept over the years. Uh, we were reminiscing about old bowling balls uh, because when he was kind of in his heyday was kind of when I, when I was that in love with bowling, you know, I was coming up through high school and things like that. So we have a bit of an age difference, but I idolized the guy that we're having on the program today. I loved watching him bowl. He won in 1991 in St. Louis at Tropicana lanes when I was 12 years old, at the Toyota classic. Um, and we uploaded that. That's the only PBA broadcast that we've ever uploaded to our Inside Bowling channel because I was working with Tropicana Lanes and still do and found the original footage from that. And if you want to go check it out on YouTube, there's actually a very interesting point in that in that uh, upload that I did because I got the entire broadcast. I got the behind the scenes banter as well. And Earl Anthony and Jay Randolph uh, Sr. were doing the broadcast. And in between one of the commercial breaks, the cough button wasn't working properly and Jay Randolph was Johnny big time and Earl Anthony and Jay Randolph loved to bet the horses. And he was more interested in the horse racing that day than doing the broadcast. And they get into it at about the 10 30 mark or so. And because we want to ask Danny a bunch of questions today, we're not going to bring that in on the show, but you can go check it out on our YouTube channel on inside bowling. It's quite hilarious how these two started giving each other the business and they go right back into Mark Williams versus Danny Wiseman, I believe in the second match. So, Pretty cool, uh, pretty cool story there. But uh, I love Danny Wiseman. He's got 12 PBA titles. He's won one point, almost $1.6 million in his entire career on the PBA tour. He was known for his outfits that he wore on television. Not quite like Guppy Troop, but he, he liked to have the flames on in that. And when Steve Miller was in charge of the, of the PBA as well, Danny hammed it up quite a bit. Uh, Pete got a lot of the notoriety at the time, but but when Danny was on, he was a fierce competitor. So let's bring him in from Baltimore. Let's bring in Danny Wiseman now to today's show. Welcome to the show, Danny. How are you, sir? I'm good. Thanks, Mike. Hi, Matthew. Thanks for having me on. And uh, I got to give a big shout out and a hello to all my youth bowlers who I know they're missing their bowling. It's been a couple months and uh, I'm missing coaching them. I'm missing the leagues. I'm missing working with them. And I know a few of them are tuned in today. So hello to all my youth bowlers. Yeah. And over on your website, uh, Danny Wiseman bowling, uh, you've, you've been running a youth event for over eight years and you've given away over $190,000 in scholarships, right? Yes, sir. Um, yeah, it started very small and it's grown immensely. Um, you know, I work in hand with the uh, PJBT who run tournaments all year long. And those guys and uh, Stacy, of course, are, are just incredible at how they handle uh, the event running it. I put it all together with all the sponsors. I get a lot of local, um, actually a lot of local youth bowlers. Their, their parents get involved that have small businesses, pro shops. I mean, it's just grown. And, and of course, you know, my, my presenting sponsor is uh, – 
uh, Action Al's Tire Company down in Waldorf, and they, uh, their son actually was one of my students. So it kind of grew that way. And um, we're going to see what happens this year with everything going on. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give it a little bit more time before I start putting things out there. I'm usually working on it now, but with the way the world is and the way things are and who knows what the stipulations are going to be, the laws, and I got to sit on it for a little bit. Yeah, Danny, you you over the years, obviously, we're, we're, it's a bowling program, but you and I have talked a lot about uh, post-career. And, and a few things <laughs> I want people to know about is is you, you, uh, you have all this old – um, artifacts and and things that you've collected over the years, magazines and bowling and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about your bowling collection that you have. Well, let's go back a step. Three, six, nine, ten. Okay. I had to make that to win Seattle, and I barely covered a nine pin with a blue hammer. So I'll, I'll shoot that for the title because I know I already did it. The bucket, no thanks. <laughs> so, so going back to that situation, if you can go back to that frame right there, would you – have replaced that three six nine ten with a bucket in that moment in time? Probably not because the gutter hooked on that show. Okay, and I knew so I had and I knew I had banked to the right. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. See, that's also a big portion of this is the pattern that you're bowling on. Yep. Because if there's a little hang on the gutter, you can't just chuck it to the right yep. and get that angle to to take out the yeah, nine. So that's a good point. It, if you want to see that, that was I thought I missed it. I don't know how I covered it because I barely nipped um, the three pin. Uh, it was. I don't know. It, it was just my day. Um, and uh, that Toyota, Mike, the Toyota Classic, I saw that. I, I saw your video that you posted, the banter back and forth. That was pretty cool. <laughs> Those guys. Uh, so the history, yeah. Um, gosh, I used to wait for my Bowers Journals to come in every week, you know, watching um, ABC Sports on Saturdays. And then as I got older, you know, the Bowers Journal and the Bowling Digest and the Bowling Magazine, they were the ones that, you know, I've got every issue. Going back to probably 1969, I found someone who had a bunch of issues from the 60s and 70s that I that I, I was able to get. But I have been collecting them forever, and I have every issue of that. Bowling Digest, which was another great publication from the first one till the time they ceased uh, production, and then uh, what was the other bowling magazine had a lot of technical stuff in it. Um, bowling this month. The Bowling This Month, yes, that was another awesome magazine. I've got every one of those, and that's going for years. So, um, yeah, it's just one of those things. That's how I got my my uh, uh, information. I mean, we didn't have the Internet and all that. and just had to uh, learn from that, trial and error, experiment, and, and so forth. It was just a different world back then. And you're one of the guys that has kept most of your bowling balls over the years, or at least quite a few of them, right? Talk a little bit about some of the balls you have from from over the years. No, I've got I've got all my title balls. Um, in fact, on my website, you can see the uh, the 1990 Fairlanes Open uh, bowling ball, the trophy. It's in a case. I had a gentleman out in California make me a um, a case uh, for it. That's also on my website. Um, they're really cool um, cases for your balls uh, to put in. I've got my Masters bowling ball in there, and one of those he made for me. Um, every ball, uh, even some of my 300 balls, I've got my. I've got the LT48 Gold that I shot, uh, whatever the heck my high series was, 299, 279, 299 in Taylor Lanes with that 877. Uh, got that ball. Um, everything. The Code Red, which you saw, I posted. Uh, I've done some posting on Facebook and my fan on my fan page, and that ball split in half. 
Uh, most of them have. A lot of my old Quantums, they're still intact. Uh, all my Blue Hammers, the St. Louis Ball, I have the Black Hammer, which was an early Black Hammer. Um, that was like a 1980, I think it was a, a two. Um, and that, I mean, that, uh, that's got the old logo on it. That was one of the ones that was made in the bucket, I believe, back in St. Louis Fabball. <laughs> yeah, you know, Fabball made bowling balls in three different locations, as yep. you know, Baltimore, yep. St. Louis, and, and Utah. Did you have a favorite serial number or, or, or <sighs> where they were made? Or Yeah, I, you know, being from Baltimore, um, you know, I got the ins and outs of, of some of the stuff. And when I was on staff, you know, you'd hear different things uh, because of the environment, the temperature stuff it wasn't as quality controlled as it um is nowadays of course um but i used to like the b balls um which would be the ob's the nine the nine b was was the deal um and uh all the way into the two b's um i had some favorites with the uh, st louis and i've thrown a couple of the utah balls too for titles so i'll have to check on that um because i've got every one so we'll see if there's a a ratio difference, but I'm pretty sure most of them are B-balls. Um, I know the one from the Firestone when my dad was there in 92. Um, that one, if you pay attention to that, and these, these were urethane balls with just basic cores, that ball was shifted. Um, the pin was probably about four from my PAP, but the weight hole was an inch and an eighth weight hole that was, I think it was two and a half off my axis, and that ball flared about three inches, and that was for playing inside back then, which is you know, people didn't do that back then. I mean, some guys did, but I used to experiment with all that stuff. Um, but um, that ball was, uh, that was a, I know that's a 2B. When you look back at your career and you look at, you know, you look at the, the 90s, um, <laughs> what, what do you, what do you, what do you think about your, your career when you look back at it? Well, I like to think of it as being able to, um, being a player that adapted and changed with the environment. Um, you know, that was very difficult because, um, you know, my coach has been Billy Hall since 1987. And when he first saw me and he said this at my Hall of PBA Hall of Fame speech, I was awful. I had a bad arm swing. I, I lofted it. It was terrible. I went home for two years and worked on um, learning how to slide like one of my heroes, Marshall Holman, uh, watched Ballard, uh, all the guys that were successful in the late 80s, they were all sliding for the most part when they threw the ball because you had to get the hips back under you and making those changes i became successful you know in, in four in two years i won four titles against 160 man fields today that's kind of unheard of um you know you you had rabbit squads you had and there's so many guys trying to make a living at it and um you know as time went on getting into the mid 90s when reactive came out i got stuck there for a couple of years and i had to make an overhaul and you can see that through my timeline, um, when the bowling balls and the environment changed, I had to change. And that took a lot of work, a lot of dedication, a lot of time, and a lot of persistence because it was frustrating. Um, you know, when I didn't make a cut, I'd sit there and I'd watch the guys who were bowling well um, and figure out what, what were they doing that I'm not doing, that they're becoming successful, and, and I have to make those changes. You watch the late 90s. Uh, it was 97 at the Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh, the touring players. I lost to Steve Hoskins. I went home the week before that, and I practiced five steps, eliminating the slide that I had worked so hard to develop because you had to be open. The swing plane had to be a lot steeper coming in as the reactive and proactive balls got stronger. The angles in the heads had to be open. 
and I was still sliding. So I was, I was too squared up and my hand was too far behind it. So I went home and worked on it for a week. I, I took the Teflon off my heels. That was how I used to slide. And then I put a rubber heel on, added a step, stood up instead of crunched over and just made myself do it and just worked and worked and worked. And I went out there in Pittsburgh and I led the daggone tournament. And then I lost on TV. You know, I made a couple of bad decisions on, um, you know, angles and doing what I had to do. But since 1997, I've been five steps. I've gone back and forth, but I've always I've had the ball up in a stance like a conventional bowler. Um, and then as time went on, you know, it's, it's just evolved. Um, now, I want to learn how to engage the elbow more and get my hand to the inside more. And I've been drilling Billy Hall on this and I just don't work at it as hard as I used to. And um, I'd love to be able to get my hand to the inside uh, more and, and uh, you know, get that follow through going left so I could create, you know, lower tilt, and more rotation. I, I just it's been a frustrating issue and I just don't work at it. So I'm content. You know, career's been good. I wish I would have, you know, got the 15 titles and three majors was my you know, one of my goals, but, you know, there were, you know, circumstances that in life that came into play, you know, car wreck in 05 got rear-ended that kind of messed up my neck and my foot. And then, um, you know, I made a few shows after that. So, and then of course my mom had her aneurysm in 09 that just stopped everything. So, you know, life gets in the way, you know, but I had a great career. I met great people and it's been, been a fun ride. I got so many different ways I could go here. I think I think the best thing I could do at this point is I I think before I forget let's let's talk about you know you're a smart guy, so you sometimes. you've told sometimes me, not such a wise man. <laughs> you told <laughs> me that you were able to once you got out of the tour and with some of the money that you made you were able to invest it wise, <laughs> and and that's been able to to make you comfortable post bowl. Right. Could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, my mom and dad were blue collar. My mom worked for AT&T. My dad was a lens technician downtown Baltimore. Um, you know, they, they provided for my sister and I. And um, we had, you know, we, we had a good a good, good life. I mean, um, so as, as I became successful and, and, you know, the tour, the expenses, I, I can't only imagine what it is today. Um, but um, with all the tour stuff, I had motorhomes. There was a lot of stuff that I wish I could take back and invest more but uh since my mom had her aneurysm in 09 um you know i i bowled periodically here and there um you know do a little bit of ebay this and that but i've invested as much as i could and you know i'll pull out money you know throughout the year to be able to live but um most of it's invested and i mean i haven't i haven't worked in 10 years um and that's something that's I saw back in um, when I was starting out in the early 90s, some of the guys that were in their 40s trying to compete against guys in the 20s, I said, I'll never be that guy. Um, you know, and, and I got up into my, I, I did bowl a little bit in my early 40s after my 2012, but I saw, I saw the writing on the wall. You know, I mean, the game was changing. It, I, I didn't want to put the work in and evolve with it. And, um, I didn't want to be one of those guys where I had to try to beat the kids and um, you know, time waits for no one. And, and I realize it, you know, I have fun with it now, you know, I'm still competitive. Um, I love our sport always will always have. Um, and uh, right now my, my change in direction is, you know, the last few years I've worked with a bunch of youth bowlers around Baltimore that have become very successful and, and have the time and patience and dedication to want to be, 
you know, some of the best bowlers in the world. And, um, you know, I'm proud of that to be able to give back my knowledge to these kids, to the parents, to work with the parents also on how to um, handle situations, you know, with their children. I don't have any kids. So these youth bowlers are like my kids. So um, it's a lot of fun to be able to give back. Yeah. And I think that's a, a good lesson to be learned to the folks that are, that are establishing careers. Now, when you win and you start making money, let's take a guy like Chris Prather, who's won a lot of money recently. Mm-hmm. It's going to be very important for him in the future to make sure that he uh, invests his money wisely. And I, think I talked to him. Oh, have you really? Yeah. I talked to him. I talked to uh butcher. I've talked to EJ, um, a lot of these guys are very smart um, with what they're doing. And I think that they realize it. And when you get a guy like me who talks to them and I'll talk to any of them, you know, um, I feel that um, you, you have to be smart because you've got to get it when you can get it. You know, I was on staff. Actually, there's a trivia question for you. How many staffs have I been on? Ball staffs and grip staffs. Well, you know, one is right here. <laughs> but two companies, Fab Ball in the early 90s and then Revolution Bowling, which was a division of Brunswick. That's it. I've never been on another staff. Um, and a lot of these guys are on staffs, and I have no idea how that world works now. But I know that the pond is smaller than it used to be, and now the money's building up again. You've got to get what you've got to get, and you've got to be smart with it and invest it because you don't want to be out there competing in your 40s against kids in their 20s. I give all the credit in the world to Tommy Jones. He was one of the ones where I saw the light when he first came out. I was like, what is this? You know, it was it was different and he's still going. He still is in, you know, very uh, much in into what today's environment's uh, like. And I know he's adapted to things. He's changed things, but um, smart player and, and he's there. But you know what? Father time, man. It just you, you, you can't beat it. So, um, you know, I talked to these guys and said, look, be smart with your money. Invest it. Get into other things. You know, EJ's got some business things going on and I'm um, Prather. You know, he got a house and, and smart guy. I mean, and, and let me tell you what, when I saw him throw the ball, I went right to Billy Hall. I said, um, I want to throw it like that. How good is that guy? I mean, it is effortless power. And it's just in any, any um, era, that guy, I mean, stupid good. So, you know, all these guys and you've reached out to them when the PBA tour is coming on, on a weekend or, or weekday or whenever the tour is on, do you, do you make it a schedule or, or do you watch the tour? Like, oh yeah. I'm a fan. Absolutely. You know, I can't beat those guys. <laughs> so I like watching, but, but, but I'll do, I'll do different things. Like I'll drive my girlfriend Dana crazy because I'll actually TiVo it and then I'll go through it. And when they show like side shots or back shots, I will literally stop the TV, get my phone out and I will video those slow-mo shots. So then I can show my kids you know, what they are doing, how they're doing it, why they're doing it. And um, I have the record of it. So I'm, I'm in essence, I'm a fan watching it, but I'm also learning from it so that I can help with the environment that's out there today for the kids that I work with. Yeah, it's really cool. You told me uh, as we were show prepping a little bit about a story uh, when you when you talked to Jason Belmonte, <laughs> it was outdoors when you were bowling in yeah. the Flags event. Tell, us, tell, tell our listeners a little bit about that story with Belmo. But that was, that was uh, I think it was 2008, because it was before my mom in 09. So it had to be 08, I think. I want to say it was St. Louis when the gutter cap melted. I, I, it could be, it could have been Chicago. But um, 
we had finished up and we're sitting waiting for our, our transit bus. Um, we all would take back to the, the hotel. And um, I said, Jason, I said, you know, I just met you. I said, but I see what you're doing. I see what you have. I know what's what the deal is here. And you are going to, if you're smart about it, you're going to dominate this game. And I told him, I said, I said, what you do is something no one else does. And you have to get everything you can get because you are unique. And you could relate, relate it back to like a Mark Rod. He did something nobody else did. Everyone emulated him. Everybody wanted to hook it, but you, you threw plastic and then urethane. It didn't do it. Well, with Belma, with the rev rate and the power to speed and what, what happened to the pins was just, I had never seen anything like it. Now, I know other guys had seen it. You know, Timmy Mack was friends with him for years, I, you know, but I never saw it in person. So I, I had a little conversation with Jason and, um, you know, I just told him, I, and I was near the end. I was, it was 2008. I said, you know, you got to get everything you can get. Because if you stay healthy and you continue with this, you are going to just change the game and and be dominant. Um, get all you can get, and he has. I mean, he is. I mean, he is just phenomenal. He's a phenomenal person. Um, he he goes out of his way and does so many good things for our sport. Um, and and I've asked him every year for a jersey or something for my youth tournament, and he'll send it from Australia or if he's in. Um, in the States, he'll send it from wherever he's at. He's, he's just been, um, he's been a very good friend. Um, and, and I would love watching how he manages himself. Now, I'm not out there, so I don't know all the ins and outs, but I watch. You know, I bowled the tournament champions a couple of years and, um, you know, just, I just see how he does his interviews and, and it, it's incredible. Now, he's just a great guy. Well, I know you and him have a great relationship, and, and I know he has a great deal of respect for you, uh, which brings me to a topic you did not want to talk about, but this is how I found out about you it. You get a drink of coffee here. <laughs> is, is Jason Belmonte was promoting you when, you when you were recently, this is pretty recent, within the last month, you were yeah. in Fox 45 Sports Unlimited Baltimore <laughs> Greatest Athletes Bracket Competition for March Madness. And in the first round, you were a 16 seed in the bracket and you went up against the babe. You went up against Babe Ruth. It was a Twitter vote poll and you got a lot of followers. You got a lot of fans. Tell everybody what happened. <laughs> well, um, yeah, that was that was uh, unexpected. I mean, they put me in as a 16 seed um, in the hometown bracket. There was four brackets, Orioles. Then you had the Ravens, Colts, then uh, college. And, um, you know, I was honored, you know, they put me in there and, um, you know, going against babe. So I just put something out on Facebook and next thing you know, I, I, you know, I, I beat babe Ruth. I mean, come on. He's, <laughs> he's, you know, top five greatest baseball players of all time. So, um, you know, yeah. I got the vote, I guess, cause I'm here. I guess I could say that. Um, and, uh, you know, so we go on to Travis Pastrana, beat yeah, him. Pastrana, then, for folks that don't know, Travis Pastrana, that's another big, big dog here. Yeah, I mean, it's NASCAR racing, all that. Um, you know, he was, I think he's from Annapolis. Um, and then um, Carmelo Anthony um, was is from here. Um, that's another one. And then, of course, the one that I should never have beaten would be the greatest Olympian of all time, uh, Michael Phelps. But here's, 
here's here's the deal. I mean, you know, the bowling world stepped up once I threw that out there. It started started just going from. I mean, everybody was sharing it, and and every and I was like, man, this has gotten out of control, you know. But it was a local poll, and I put it on my page that I have most of my local people, but there was a few that got a hold of it, and it was fun. I mean, I'm not sure that the station really, you know, anticipated what happened. Um, and I know some of the later on the Orioles fans rallied and they didn't uh, like the fact that a bowler was beating, you know, Cal early in the week yeah, and they rallied and, and they, um, yeah, they, they ended up getting Cal into, into um, going up against Johnny Unitas. And of course, if I had Twitter, I would have voted for Unitas because that goes back to the ties of the early sixties when he had Johnny Unitas Colt lanes. He had three centers here in Baltimore, which one of them was Woodlawn, which is where I won, but it was Fairlane's. Um, they, um, uh, you know, the Orioles fans were out again and, and beat Unitas. So it was fun. It was a local thing, something to pass the time with everything going on. And again, I was, you know, I was honored that they even included me um, with all the great athletes from our area. Well, two things from that. Number one is I saw a lot of bowlers sharing this, and mm -hmm. it does show that when something happens within our community yep. of bowling, even though we're small, man, we can mm -hmm. make things happen, whether if it's uh, dealing with a, a tragic situation or a charitable yep. event or whatever, we could beat each other's brains in on the lanes or, or, or down our games on Correct. the internet. But when something happens where it's time to rally, we rally. Mm -hmm. and, that, yep. and that's really cool. The second thing was, was they actually were like having you on the news uh, commenting <laughs> about this, right? They, they, how did that work out? Yeah, it was after the Babe Ruth uh, deal there. So, yeah, Bruce had me on. And, uh, um, yeah, I just had to play it cool. I mean, they, they didn't know – they didn't expect it, you know, putting me a 16 against a 1, which I'm assuming that that bracket they wanted probably Babe and I don't know. I don't know how the bracket went down, but um, uh, probably Babe and Phelps would, would be my guess. But um, they didn't expect it, and but it was fun, you know. Um until it got closer to the end, I think it, you know, there could have been a possibility that I could have won the whole daggone thing uh, with the help of the bowling world. But again, it was a local thing that exploded on the bowling end because our community, you know, we, we stick together as small as it is, but it is large. It's something that they don't know because, you know, after all the years, you know, bowling's kind of taken a back seat. It's not like it was in the 80s and 90s. Um, since we, we lost ABC, but now with Fox and everything that's going on there and Baltimore and the money being infused into it um, and, and how they're presenting things, you know, I, I would hope that all the local stations around the country that are Fox affiliates would pick this up. Um, and, that, and that was kind of the, in, the intent to get them aware that, hey, you know, this is growing again. This is really, I mean, when you got 20 million viewers, what Tom told me, Tom Clark, the first nine weeks, and that's not even in in including all of the replays uh, that they, they kept doing. Uh, you know, it's, it's incredible. So, I mean, I wish I was 25 again to, to give this thing a whirl, you know, but I wouldn't change anything. Yeah, time is good right now. I want to get Matt back involved in the program. I appreciate Hello, Matt. letting me go through those those questions, Matt, as I do have to duck out early here in about 10 minutes or so. And I know you got a lot of fun for our guests this week. But uh, do you think maybe we should take it in a direction of maybe going down memory lane here? Uh, I know you've got some videos queued up. Where do you oh want boy. to do thing? Yeah, uh, let's uh, let's take a trip down memory lane. Let's uh, ship it back to 1991 uh, and go back to Mike talked a little bit at, at the intro of the show here and uh, talked Drop about a, a little 
Yeah, a, a little uh, mishap that uh, took place between some of the commentators, but um, this was a, uh, a nice, memorable event for you, Danny. And yeah. um, so I just want to I want to watch this video. This is queued up to you um, about to bowl your 10th frame here. Well, so, real quick, real quick before yeah. that, you know, the guy that was on that show with me, um, Richie Wolf, we had the same sponsor. Many people don't know this except for on the East Coast. We had the same sponsor, Sports Plus Carmadon Pro Shop. Um, they, they are the ones that Bruce Merriman and, and Chuck um, Davenport gave me the chance and Richie the same year to go out on tour. Um, this would have never been possible. None of this, including this, they sponsor my my um, uh, my youth scholarship tournament. Also, it's come full circle. I would have never had the success I had if it wasn't for Bruce and Chuck giving me the opportunity to go out on tour in 1990. That's so cool. I, I owe all this to them, and and it just you know they they are the ones that gave me that opportunity. And Richie was on that show, and it was it was fun. Yeah, what amazing experience that must have been to bowl against uh, one of your buddies. And we always talk yeah. about it, you know, like, what is it? Is it cool to bowl against your friends? Is it awkward to bowl against your friends? Is it, you know, is it a hard predicament? Because you want to get intense and yell and scream. And then you're like, that's the guy I'm sharing a hotel room with uh, when this is all said and done. You, so how do you balance you, that? You can think that way, but I was out for blood. I didn't care about any of that. This show, If I, I always thought, if I make 10 of the greatest shots I can make, they are not going to beat me. I don't care who it is. And friendships aside, you know, they, they get it too on their side. Hey, right. This is a job, man. This right. is what we do. And I'm not friends with anybody. In fact, you know, when I was on tour, I had a handful of friends. I got along with everyone. But I didn't hang out with, with too many folks. You know, I, I just, my job was 24-7 bowling. I mean, it was, that was it. I mean, um, you know, Occasionally, you know, you struggle and you, you have to figure out what was going on. I would I would literally go out and find bands, local bands and go watch music. You know, when I was out there, I had a few roommates over the years. But, um, you know, I just I just felt like 24 seven for my most of my entire career. I mean, that's what it was about. I wasn't out there to make friends. I was out there to kick their butts, you know, so. Yeah, and I think and I think that you made a good point. Though. The good friends, if you have real good, close friends, they yeah. understand that. They get, they get mm -hmm. it. They're out there doing the same exact thing. And at the end of the exactly. day, if, if somebody goes Brooklyn against you and yells and slaps it out, yeah, and you yeah, might yeah. be a little bit uh, uh, upset in the moment. But when you guys go back to the hotel, you grab some dinner, you go watch some live music, all is good. And you guys are still close buddies. Yeah, they understand. I mean, right. it's, it's, you know, it's, it's nothing's guaranteed, man. <laughs> of, of course. Like you've said, you've got to get it when you can get it. So yep. let's look back at this. And this kind of relates to our, our, uh, Mark. To win the question here. Now we got some We'll give him the title, his fourth of his career. Nice specs. You're right. Loving the glasses. Look at this shirt, man. The glasses. I, I, I still got. Uh, I still got that shirt. What happened? It's not playing. No, I paused it. I just uh, uh, I, you commented yeah. on the specs, and I couldn't couldn't yeah. help but and the eye that and shirt, the eye strike shirt yeah. that the dude hosed me on three grand on that for that show. Oh. <laughs> Before, look at that. Uh oh, wait a minute. Uh oh, was that, that Sean Rash learned that from you? Did the right. Yeah. <laughs> that was an early balk. I don't. Uh, that's probably the only time I ever did that on TV. You still have those pants? Um, if I did, I'd never ever fit into them. Oh, just like the, the <laughs> just like the leather ones that. Oh no, don't show her. Um, just like the leather ones. Look, come on, man. The uh, there we go. go. Oh. with the. Oh, that was the blue hammer with the pin at three o'clock. I got that. He's a great spare shooter. 
he'll switch balls. Oh God. <laughs> Why'd you pull that clip up, dude? Well, this is a Tropicana Lanes. It's got some ties here to Mike. I did. I did. I. I just. I'm just leaving it. Leaving it play. I'm just letting it do its thing here. Yeah, this was hard to shoot this ten pin. You know why? Those ball returns. You got to remember, I slid two and a half feet. Watch my back trail leg when 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 we get into this. Watch this, right? Yeah. I just miss it. If I kick that ball return, I miss that left. And yeah. I did that multiple times during the week. Yeah, I uh, the one time I bowled on television, I had a ten pin, and, and sometimes on TV they set those big boxes up over the ball yeah. return, and it makes it impossible to walk and shoot spares. Uh -huh. And I was thought to myself, I was like, you know, I was with the college show, I only had I only had two shots a game, and I was like, okay, if I leave a ten pin, what am I going to do? Am I moving like three and two right and just try to keep it square in front right. of me and get away from this ball return? And then, sure enough, I end up on the show. I get there, my push brush against it. I miss it to the left. I had no chance of making it. It's it's so crazy. It's, to see. it's hard, you know. And then, and here's the other thing too. Back then, I didn't walk straight into the left. I walked left to right. Mm, target, so you did like a little line. in and out. I always walked back toward the, the target because that's how I was taught. Mm -hmm. um, today's game, guys walk straight and they walk left because they got to keep their hips open. Their swing tucks up underneath them. So I'm literally. I'm probably about five to seven boards right of where I would normally shoot that pin. And there was friction in that center because of that overlay that they had, whatever that was. Yeah, but you can see when you can see when you look. throw the spare shot, it starts to it starts to pick up and oh, like yeah. It, yeah, fade a little bit. But thankfully for you, you absolutely nutted it. But yeah. you, you can see there towards the end, it started to pick up and wanting to that change a, directions. I think that was a blue pearl hammer. I don't have that one. All right, here, the set of the lane. So what, what's going through your mind? You have to shoot a spare like that to win, right? You, I mean, and you got the ball turning your way. You've got the lanes are on fire. The ten pin seems like it's all the way over there, and it's this and is this big. Um, what what goes through your mind in that in that type of instance? And I'm sure this is something that you work a lot with with yeah. your youth athletes. Mm -hmm. Is what what do you think about in those types of situations that allow you to kind of just cancel everything out and just stay focused and make that spare to win? Well, for that, um, you know, that environment with that ball return, I just had to trust that I wasn't going to kick it and be prepared if you did nip it, you know, be aware of that, but yet still focus on what you had to do. It never really bothered me, um, you know, the surroundings and the different things. And, you know, if I trusted myself through all my, um, you know, through the preparation and the practice uh then then you know I, i'd be fine and and there's been times like i think in medford and 02 i flagged the 10th in and actually by losing the gobel he got into the hall of fame with his 10th title he said that in his speech i heard but you know i've missed spares on tv but the thing is and like i tell my kids they matter i mean even today's strike fest you know when there is a strike fest you, you've got to make your spares and under that pressure you know, I, I never I can't say, you know, you're aware of the pressure, but, you know, I'm self-taught. I've never read a book. I knew what it took for me to handle myself under the gun and, and what I needed to do. And, and it's it's everyone's different. Um, but I just, you know, I love that situation. And later on in my career, I didn't you know, figure out how to entertain um, because that's what the new PBA wanted, and and uh, 
you know, that was a, that was different too, to be able to do that because you look, I'm pretty reserved back in the early nineties and we had all these rules and regulations. You couldn't do this. You couldn't do that and blah, blah, blah. And then when they cut it loose, you know, I was like, okay, let's go. You know, it became, it was a lot more fun, but I had to separate it. And that was difficult. Yeah, for sure. That's and why I, think... I like the bull today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like to go, I like the bull on today's shows with, you know, against Belmo and, and, and Kyle and Craig, they're all them guys. I mean, that would just be pandemonium. I mean, I've only bowled Weber, I think, once. I don't know how many shows we made together. I know my first show he was on and he lost. But I think in Japan, we bowled each other. And, and I think that might be the only time we've ever bowled each other because our tilts and our roles were completely different. Um, but that would have been fun, you know, in our primes to go up against one another. It never happened. Yeah, I opened up with uh, you were you were a fiery competitor on the lanes, uh, especially you know in the '90s. You, you went with the flames and the button-down jerseys and all that kind of stuff. What was that all about? Well, when they when they loosened the rules up when the uh, when the three guys from uh, Microsoft bought uh, the PBA, um, I remember uh, Steve Miller and Ian um, coming to us and say, "Look, you guys got to you know just got to got to be yourselves. You got to cut it loose." And of course, I was in the music, you know, Metallica and, and you know Godsmack, and and I went and watched bands play, and and uh, not not your jazz stuff. I mean, metal. <laughs> so I was intense inside, but it was restricted because of the way the rules were. When they did that, I was like, hmm, how can I separate myself from these other guys? Well, let's wear some of the shirts that I wore when I went out, and you know, at that time with the button ups, the Flames and Tribal, and you know, your your um, Charlie Sheen looking shirts were they were in back then, late 90s, early, early 2000s, actually. Um, and, and here's a little tidbit for you. And you can go back and watch this show. Um, I'll have to email you which show it is. But it was early in. I want to say 99. I had a shirt on. I had my last name on it in Wiseman. OK, no one at that time had wore their name on their shirt. I came out on the show with my name on a shirt. And I distinctly remember Walter Ray going, you can't wear your name on a shirt. And I went, yes, I can. He goes, no, you can't. I said, yes, I can. And here's why. Because when people are flipping through the stations and they're looking at TV, what do they see? They see your back. They don't see your face. So my name on my back, guess what? They're going to know who I am. They're not going to know who you are. And guess what? Like two weeks later, everybody had their names on their shirt. Yeah. And yeah. and, I, and that, that was something there. It was like very few people know that, that I, I – basically stepped on the rules and said, screw it. I'm wearing my shirt with my name on the back. That way people know who the hell I am. And, uh, and of course with the shirts and the pants and all that, even to this day, people go, where's your flame shirt at? Well, some of them I fit in, some of them I don't, but I, <laughs> it just no leather pants. So no, no 30 pounds heavier. They don't fit. <laughs> well, gentlemen, I got to duck out. I have another commitment. I'm sorry to cut this short with you, Danny, but my, my... No, no problem. Matt's going to take you. I got home. it. Chad's, Chad's more important than me. I get it. Right. Right. <laughs> Matt's going to take you home today. But, but Danny, a couple of things I want to just end with here. A couple of comments. Number one, man, I appreciate our relationship and you being willing to come on our program and you and I being able to talk off yeah. over the years. Uh, I really do look up to you and your career. I was 12 years old during the I know. 1991 Toyota Classic. And Matt, I believe, was negative two at the time. So Probably not. Yeah, exactly. Uh, negative yeah. three, actually. Okay. <laughs> so that, that's, that's really cool, cool. Mike. That's Thank very, you. very cool. And I love what you've been doing to preserve the history of the game and what you've been doing to give back to the youth. 
And again, I just want to say I was going through my instant messages of talking to you over the years. I tried to get you to come back to Tropicana Lanes and blow my IB open. Yeah. You'd had some wrist surgeries and things yeah. like that. And I also remember seeing through here, you've you've always had beautiful words for your mother. I know how close you were to your yeah. mother, and I know she's Thank been you. for a while. But I just I just wanted to let you know that from an outside observer, the relationship you have with your mother is one that I think everyone should strive to have with their mothers and with mothers yes. coming up here in the future. Yes. I know it's probably for me. a tough one for you. I just wanted to just sincerely send out uh, heartfelt condolences this many years later about your mother. And I just, I really enjoyed the relationship you had with her and how you treated that through social media. It was very endearing and very thought worthy. And I think it was something that, that helped me connect with my mother even more. So thank you for that, sir. Oh, you're very welcome. And I appreciate the kind words. I mean, it's been four years since she's been gone and her birthday's coming up here in a couple of weeks. Um, I miss her every day. You know, I miss my dad. I mean, I lost my dad in 92. You know, he was there at Firestone. Um, but um, I, I do greatly appreciate the words tearing up. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, everyone, you only have one mother and one father. Cherish them. Cherish them for your lives, you know, because you never know. Yeah. Just never know. And, um, you know, like I said, I miss her every day. And I appreciate the great words, Mike. I appreciate our friendship and, you know, the history stuff. I love that. I'm going to go digging again this afternoon. I found some cool posters. Um Okay. Uh, that, are, that are pretty neat that I had rolled up in my garage and, and uh, yeah, some neat stuff. But um, yeah, thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. You bet. Thanks, guys. All right. See you, Mike. Show. Tell Chad hi. I will. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I'll love that. <laughs> I'm sure you will. Inside joke. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. And uh, yeah, I think um, now now's our time, Danny. Now's our time to burn the show to the ground, baby. This is this is this is my mo here. Is whenever Mike leaves, it's my time to get reckless here. Uh -oh. But we'll try to we'll try to we'll try to keep it all together. Uh, so one thing I really want to commend you on. Um, I know we just talked about something that's really important to you and really special to you. And I think um, one of the things that I think I admire most about you is your care for other people, just in general, especially in the bowling world. And it can be hard at times to find people that are authentic, you know, and that aren't scared to be their true selves and that also aren't scared to be able to go out there and help other people. Because like you said, when it's good in the bowling world, it's not typically good for that long, you know, especially, you know, as a bowler, as an athlete, it's hard mm -hmm. to have extremely long careers where throughout every year you're being able to provide for yourself and you really do have to go out there and get it while you can. And I think that that sometimes uh, makes it difficult for other people to go out and to help others because, you know, they're really just trying to get it when they can. And that's really what their focus is on. So I want to commend you and I want to talk more Thank about um, your youth tour or excuse me, your youth events and how providing scholarships to youth bowlers um, is extremely important to you. And I know I just missed out when I was a youth bowler. I think right after I graduated from youth bowling, um, you started to run these events. And I always saw my buddies go bowl it mm -hmm. um, and, and win your events and have a great time and make a lot of friends. And so I want to get more yeah. into that side of things and uh, talk about how that really got started and where you kind of want to take it and what your goal is for that. Well, I mean, first of all, I appreciate the kind words again. Um, you know, this has been a, a great ride. Um, you know, I, I attribute how I am today with um, how I was brought up, you know, to respect people. Um, you know, you know, some when I was on tour, you know, maybe I was, you know, a little to myself and whatnot. But again, it was my job. You know, I wasn't out there to make friends, but I got along with everybody as far as I know. Sure, I was called a few names. But <laughs> yeah, not, it didn't right. matter. It didn't matter, you know, but I, mean, I was on my own dime, too. People don't know that. So, I mean, there was that added pressure, if you want to call it that. Um, but, um, you know, going forward, yeah, giving back, 
you know, I work with these kids. I don't charge them anything. Um, it's on my own time. It could be three, four, five hours at the bowling center. Um, bowling just went off. Um, you know, every Wednesday, Fridays, they have a league at Country Club, uh, AMF Country Club. You know, every year um, there's there, I get videos from the kids. And, you know, it's just what I enjoy doing. You know, I'm not out to make a, a, a dime on any of them because I want to see them succeed. And I want to see them succeed farther than what I did in my career. And if I can help in any little way until they're able to get, you know, a, a Billy Hall involved in, who knows way more than I do, you know, or, you know, a coach like that, then so be it. And they go off to college and they, you know, they, they go to these, these colleges that have the great coaching. Um, then so be it. You know, I've, I've, I've done my part to advance them. And with my scholarship tournament, you know, with the PJBT involved, you know, running it through maps, um, it's, it's, I'm able to, um, it's able the part of it that being able to get all the sponsors that's the trick and these folks that have come involved over the last couple of years it has grown so much because they trust in me of what i'm doing and knowing that i'm giving back and knowing that every bit of that money that comes in goes right back to these kids you know and and the um the scholarship stuff is is i never had that part i, I you know i missed that too um, so, and I got a high school education. So my intent of this is get these kids to go to college, you know, and it's, it's such a, a great uh, avenue to get an education and before they go to college, be able to compete for scholarship money, whether it's smart maps, you know, through JBTs, whatever. Um, it's, it's an opportunity for the kids to be able to, to pursue their education because as I say, bowling doesn't last forever. And that's the whole intent of it. I see it. Um, I wish I would have been able to do that, but I was lucky enough to bowl in an era where there was some pretty good money that I was able to, you know, make a living on. Yeah. And I think for, you know, for someone, you know, my age, I'm in my mid twenties and sometimes, you know, and it's been good, right. When those Microsoft mm -hmm. guys came in and then it kind of goes away and now it's mm -hmm. starting to really come back again. And I think yep. one of the fears that I have, at least for my, my close friends that are very good bowlers, but everybody's a good bowler out on the tour is, you know, you're a young kid and um, you really got to kind of strike it when it's hot and you really got to take advantage of that. Yep. And, um, you know, it's a scary thought for a lot of people that go out there young, old, uh, however, you know, it doesn't matter how much experience you have out there. It's a scary thing. Um, a lot of people out there on their own dimes. A lot of people out there have to provide. And I think you are a great role model, especially for younger bowlers to learn um, and say, okay, you know what, when I do strike it, when it's hot, when I do make my money, when I do get to that point in my career where I am, you know, I am providing for myself, what can I do with that money to make sure that right. I'm taking care of the future when I'm not at that level anymore? Um, and so I think that that's amazing. I did have a question for you. Um, have you ever thought about coaching in college? Has that ever been a thought or, or desire of yours? It is. Um, let me go back a step to what you were just talking about. Um, you know, when these kids have it and they get it, they have to learn to invest it. Yes. You can't live like you're on the top of the hill. You have right. to live very frugally. Yeah. You know, I used to stay in extended stays, buy food, cook it, you know, microwave. And, and you know, that, you know <laughs> I, I just kept things simple. Right. Um, you know, yeah, now I, I own, you know, three cars, a house, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, that's now. But back then I tried to do, you know, when I won the Masters, 100 grand. Guess where that went? That went right to my investment guy. We, we threw that right in there. 
You know, I was going to play around. Why? I don't need it. It's going to go where it's safe, and I know it's safe, and I'm not going to be able to spend it. So, um, you know, that that that's a big thing that, that these kids have to do. Um, and it's hard, especially when you're on the road and you're going to these cool places. You're going to spend time in Vegas. You're going to spend mm-hmm. time yeah. in California, yep. Florida, Texas. Yep. It's it's yep. hard, and you're with your buddies, and you want to go out and have a good time, yeah. and it's, it's hard. But again, it's your job. It's 24-7. It's exactly. bowling, bowling, bowling. All that other stuff can wait till after your career's over. I mean, yeah, you got to go go play golf or, you know, cut loose once in a while. But Vegas, guess what? Guess how many tables I've sat at Vegas my entire life? I'm going to guess less than five. Um, twice. And that was once with an ex-girlfriend where we, we played pie gal all night. And I think the other one was, I couldn't even remember. But I, 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 never, I never did that. You know, I just, when I went to Vegas, I didn't care about all that. That place is there for a reason. I ain't getting my money. I worked right. too hard for it. Right. Yeah, what was your other question? I forgot what your other question was. <laughs> oh no, it was. Uh, have, do you, have you ever been interested in coaching in college? Oh, that one. Yeah. Sorry, that's a, that's an old age thing kicking in there. Fifty two and. Um, you no, know, that's right. I, I forgot to. too. I had to think really hard, so don't you worry about it. I have had interest in it. Here's the problem. I have a high a high school education, so I can't teach. I can't coach NCAA. Mm. Um, the, the men's stuff, I'm not sure of. Um, I, I probably could. Um, but I've, I've thought about it, you know, I, we've gone to, let, let's throw this out there. We've gone on cruises and I look at to see where there's bowling at in these Caribbean islands. And I know Aruba has a national bowling team. And I was like, that'd be kind of neat, but you know, I, I'm content on where I'm at right now, you know, with, with the local kids and working with them. And, um, you know, I don't need the money. Uh, I, I, you know, it's, it's just, um, you know, I'm good right now. You know, I'm going to try to bowl maybe some of the senior stuff. Uh, it's possibly bad timing this year because it depends on what my, my kids' tournament. I'm working on that all summer, and now they've pushed the senior tour into July, August. But, you know, again, who knows? You know, right. with everything going on. So. Yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy with everything going on. Um, and I want to, again, thank you so much for coming on today. Had a great time. Got a question coming in here. You, you still got the Shelby? Mike Malone wants to know you still got oh, the Shelby. Oh, Mike. Yeah, Mike. Mike, come on, dude. You know it's not a Shelby. It's a Mystic. It's a, it's uh, a Cobra. Yeah, I got it. 96 Mystic Cobra. It's uh, sitting in the garage. I got actually got to get it out and run it because the weather's getting nice around here. Um, but, yeah, I don't drive it a whole lot. Um, needs a little bit of work from sitting the last few years. Hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, I've got three Mustangs. I got a. 07, that's my beater that's got 190,000 miles on it. And wow. then we've got a we've got an EcoBoost that's the 2.3 liter with the performance back on it. It's all about uh, 335 horsepower and 380 pounds of torque to the rear on a four banger. So <laughs> that's fun to drive. But Dana drives that one back and forth to work. I don't I'll mess with that one. And that's then, fun. The Cobra sits in the garage. That's great, man. That's cool. Well, Danny, I really want to thank you so much again for joining us today. We're about out of time here. Um, Let people know where they can find you. Are you big on social media? Your website is dannywisemanbowling.com, right? Um, They can find all the information out about you uh, on your website. Your youth events is on there as well. All the history. All the history you can find all of your awesome pictures um from the 2004 masters in uh in miller park right actually yep. i do want to ask you a question about that that year in 2004 there were two masters right mm-hmm. there was one in the year and one at the end of the year what was that year like and 
also, um, what was it like? That was the first ever event to be in a professional baseball stadium. Um, yeah, that was uh, that. I, I forget why they. I think they didn't have the Masters in '03, and they moved it into February. I don't know why, but it was always later in the year, I believe. And and um, yeah, that that stadium was like 55 degrees, and it, you know, the optical illusion with that ceiling being so high, it seemed like the ball went down the lane like one mile an hour. It was, it was <laughs> hard. It was very hard to get adjusted to. Um, but the lanes didn't change a whole lot because it was so cold. Mm-hmm. And if I would have moved two and one in the ninth, I might have shot 300. But, you know, I almost flat 10 the frame before and I didn't move because I knew I just wanted to hit the pocket. Right. So that would have been fun to shoot 300 there. That was an opportunity missed. But, um, ah, yeah, it was fun. That was that was uh, great memory. 16 years ago coming up. God. Wow. Hmm. That's great, man. But well, no, wait. thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Just want to let everyone know to be safe, be well, take care of one another. Um, we'll all get through this. Bowling will be back. It may be a little different at first, um, but we've got to keep our our, our thoughts and, and prayers with everyone who's um, who's suffered in this COVID-19 uh, era we're in. And hopefully things start working out and um, the world will change. And, and maybe it'll change for the better for you know a lot of us to um, – um, work forward with all this. Um, so, but I just want to say God bless everyone and um, just take care of one another. Great, man. Well, thank you again so much, Danny. Thanks, we'll man. have to have you on again sometime absolutely. down the road. We're in this Fun. for 40 episodes and we're going to absolutely, uh, we're, I have a feeling we're going to go for far more than that. So once we, uh, once we uh, iron everything out and all the details for the future, we'd love to have you back on again. Yep, absolutely. And you can find me on Facebook. I got a, a fan page, Danny Wiseman bowling fan page. I got my regular page, Danny Wiseman. And then, of course, my website, and um, I've got a dedicated page to my youth scholarship tournament, which is linked to my Facebook pages. I don't do Twitter or Twitter or <laughs> all that other stuff. No, I don't do anything. I'm on the interweb, though. You said that, though. Yeah. Just, that's, but that's no, great. just uh, I appreciate it very much. Had a good time. Uh, anytime you want to talk and uh, tell Mike, I'm going to go find some of these. I'll take some pictures of these posters. I'm probably going to post some of them up on, on there. I got some neat stuff. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much, Danny. Stay safe, uh, stay great, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate it. God bless everyone. Take care. All righty, folks. Well, there you have it. This looks weird with me being the only one on the screen here. I got to say, this is kind of strange, but I'm without my right-hand man, Mr. Mike Flanagan. He's got to hop on over to his other call. Make sure you head on over to the USBC Facebook page. They will be doing a live show uh, once again with Executive Director Chad Murphy's. Go ahead and check that out. We will be back on Monday for episode number 21 with the one and only Rob Stone. Uh, So that's going to be a blast. Mike will be here the whole time for that one. So you won't have to worry about just listening to me talk and looking at my face. Uh, So thank you again for everybody tuning in. We will be back Monday, 1 p.m. Eastern again with Rob Stone. And we hope that you all Have a great weekend. Take care, everybody.